On this episode of Bite Sized, we are watching and talking about the 14th scene from the movie Twilight. For those of you watching along at home, that is from 1513 to 1621. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Bite Sized. My name is Ben Abair. I am your host. If this is your first time here, here's what's going on. I am watching the Twilight movies one scene at a time with a different guest every week. Sometimes they've seen the movies before. Sometimes they get a minute and nine seconds completely out of context. Either way, we have a good time. Joining me today is a sketch comedian and writer from Chicago, Illinois, Sage Houston. Welcome to Bite Sized. Thank you, man. Excited to be here. Excited to have you here. How's it going? How you doing? I don't know why my voice just went up 17 octaves. Because I'm making you nervous. <laughs> I guess I have so. an intimidating presence. You you have a, a tendency to do that, I guess. Sage, how's it going? What you been up to? How's your summer? Things have been great. Summer's been really fun. I've been traveling a little bit. Made it to Minneapolis for the first time. Oh, yeah? Which was really fun. And also out to Portland, Oregon. So Pacific Northwest. Never okay. been before. Well, I guess I was there last summer. I lie right away. But it's amazing. I don't so, know what to believe. Yeah. Uh, I, I like this ambiguity we're starting out on. None of what you say could be true. All of it could be true. <laughs> Who knows? Let's find out together. Uh, I'm going to start this interview the way I start all the interviews on this show, and that is by asking you, Sage, what is your history with the Twilight franchise? Absolutely. The Twilight book series hit when I was in middle school. Okay. That was when they all started coming out. So we're, they were the most popular thing mm-hmm. in the world. And Did you read them? Yes. Okay. Begrudgingly. I was Who like was making you do this? A girl I was really interested in. Oh, boy. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time <laughs> I've had a guest on the show who read the Twilight books for a girl, yeah. I'd have like three or four dollars. There you are. And yeah. there it is. I'm putting my money down. Uh-huh. Tried and true. It was... Um, yeah, it, it was not my thing. I yeah. loved I loved Terry Pratchett's Discworld, oh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Those were my things. There's a whole stack of Terry Pratchett books <gasps> in the other room, but that's oh, so good. Unfortunately, this is not a Discworld podcast. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Uh, yeah, so they're Twilight. not bad. Yeah. So yeah. I read I read Twilight. I read uh, Eclipse, and I read New Moon, mm-hmm. and then I ended it as soon as I found Pride and Prejudice, the fourth book in the series, <laughs> <laughs> because well I be. never understood how a love story could be better written than that at the time. Sure. And have you seen the movies then? Never seen the movies. So this is very fun. Okay. So have you have you encountered the books at all since middle school? Or are you completely going like, have you been on a 15-year Twilight break or something? Pretty much a 15-year Twilight break. Yes. But that's pretty common for me. I read all the Harry Potter books, haven't seen all the movies. Read yeah. all the Lord of the Rings books, never seen a movie. Oh, those are good. And that's what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I read all the Lego movie books and never watched the Lego movie movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I got to ask, uh, you read the books to impress a girl. Did it work? Um, I think, honestly, no, because okay. we were dating at the time. Oh, really? It, middle school dating. So like, what as are you going to do? As much as you can and at And it age. was like, it, it didn't end great. Uh-huh. So clearly the work was not putting in well. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, everyone on this podcast who has read the books to impress a potential date has never worked. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's get in to the episode, to the the clip we have today. Kind of a short one. Beautiful. I would say it starts with too many establishing shots. A lot of establishing shots. We start first off in like a valley with some rain, Mm -hmm. and then we cut to the swan house at night, and then we cut to day, truck pulling, running down the street, and then cut back to the swan house at day. 
I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed over those few cuts. Days? Maybe. Maybe 12 hours. Who knows? But too many establishing shots. And I think they established the same thing. Which oh, is for that sure. Washington is a gloomy place. Yeah, it's solitary. It's rainy. Yeah. It's cold. Mm-hmm. That's what we've been establishing for basically the entire movie. What is with all the establishing shots? Why do you think there are so many of them? Did they just need to fill time? I think what they were probably going for is the idea that, like, this poor young woman has moved mm-hmm. from a sunny place. Yeah. Phoenix, as we learned in this clip. Yes. A sunny place, and now she knows nobody except her cold, icy moody dad Ooh, cold so and icy they're coming in they're trying to be like yeah he's kind of dark he's foreboding the whole town is dark and foreboding just wow. you wait we're about to introduce some more dark and foreboding characters and they're like yeah so we're gonna set this up right I, away i don't think anyone's ever come in to one of these podcast episodes with this much symbolism ready yeah. to go and especially never applied to her dad i don't think anyone's ever looked at charlie as being the dark and icy and foreboding one but you're not entirely wrong about that i think that's a valid reading and i i say this with 15 years uh, between me and my <laughs> source material so please do not cancel me if i'm wrong but i do remember at the time and this is probably why the relationship didn't work i was team charlie Okay. When you were Team Edward and there was Team Jacob, I was Team Charlie. I thought he was just being a good dad. Okay. And so Team Edward, Team Jacob, I, as I understand it, you're trying to determine who Bella falls in love with. Are yes. you saying Bella should not fall in love with anyone and just be <laughs> her father's daughter for her whole life? Uh, what does Team Charlie entail no, exactly? I think it was just, and I'm willing to say this, I'll fight this forever, Jacob and Edward, not great guys. Oh, agree. Terrible people. Yeah. So I think the idea that Charlie was like, hey girl, I don't think these guys are good for you, was accurate. And continued to be accurate for all, I'm assuming, four books. Uh-huh. You know, he is onto something, yeah. for sure. So Team Charlie's just like, hey, maybe hear your dad out Especially and travel a little bit. Because you stopped before Breaking Dawn, the last one. Which I hear gets real weird. That is where things get real weird, especially yeah. for anyone on Team Jacob. I am aware of what happens, and it's bizarre. That's a weird one. Hard to reconcile. Glad we don't have to think about that for about six or seven years on this show. <laughs> yeah, by the time you get to those clips, oh, I'll come back. Things will be so different. Yeah, we'll put, I'll put you in the books <laughs> for 2029. Bella Swan walks out of her house. She is wearing the biggest mittens I've ever seen. And that is not, she does not have like chicken pox or anything like that. No. It is truly just, she's cold. Is that all that means? Okay, I you would think that, but nothing else she's wearing screams cold weather. No. She's got on like a light sort of button down yeah. that is mostly open and there's like a t-shirt on underneath it. And what could only be described as like oven mitts on. Truly. Or Too like big. The the first level D&D gauntlets you get. Yeah. Like I've got cloth gauntlets. They are the ch- just chunkiest cable knit. They yeah. go basically up to her elbow. I can't imagine she's going to drive in those. Yeah. I did not grow up in a cold place. Did you? Indiana. So fairly okay. cold. Coldish. Did people wear gloves this huge? I've never seen gloves that just big. Just in, it's not even snowing. No. There's no way, based on what else she's wearing, there's no way it's like below the 40s, maybe 50s. There is ice on the ground, which we are told. There's ice on the ground. You would never know unless it is is given as information verbatim. Yes. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Ice doesn't really help the uncoordinated. Yeah. There is ice on the ground, enough for her to slip on. She walks down the stairs, slips on some ice in what I thought was actually a pretty good stunt. It's a great stunt. I have that written down. <laughs> Me that too. fall is incredible. She took that fall really well. Yeah. And I want to spend a lot of time talking about how did they pull that off? Did she actually like slip and fall like that? Did they have a pad that they like pulled out before the camera panned down? What happened there? I think she fell 
if anything, these movies, if they have any lasting value, mm-hmm. it's Kristen Stewart. Yes. She's the best part of these movies. Uh-huh. She's incredible. I think, and this was new. Like, this was her, like, first big breakout role. So they weren't paying money for stunts. Yeah. They had no mats. I mean, she was low Kristen budget. Stewart, they were spending though. all of it on establishing shots. She was, she was the face of the franchise. Why yeah. would you risk letting her fall straight onto concrete like that? It seems like a big risk. I don't know. Hi, editor Ben Auksher here. I couldn't find a recorded clip of it, but here's a reading from an interview that Kristen Stewart gave with MTV in 2008. MTV. Obviously, Bella Swan is a clumsy character, but there's a scene in this movie where you go down on your butt, and I didn't see any kind of quick shot trickery to work around a cushion on the ground or something. How'd that work? Stewart. No, I stuffed like a little pad in the back of my jeans and that was it. But they did some weird thing. There was something to look like ice. They poured it all over the concrete and it was very slippery. But it wasn't hard to fall on my butt. <laughs> I've done it before. She's a pro. She's Harrison Ford. She does all her own stunts. She clearly is a pro. She took that fall very well. Yeah. And I think we really all need to take a second to appreciate that. If you're watching, if you're listening to this right now, go watch this scene just to watch a good fall by Kristen Stewart. And watch her face when she falls. Yeah. Like it's not planned at all. She's caught by surprise. I almost for a moment, like I, I watched it, preparation for this, I watched it once trying to see if maybe it was an accident. But there's too much dialogue after the fact that I think it had to be legit. And not only too much dialogue, but terrible dialogue. <laughs> oh, okay. What did you what did the you line like? that she says is ice doesn't really help the uncoordinated. That's true. Which I've never heard anybody use words in that order before. They do so much establishing in this movie that Bella is clumsy that I don't think ever pays off. No. No. Yeah. Because all the harm that befalls her is a vampire trying to kill her, like some other thing that has nothing to do with her. Absolutely. I would love a scene that like a vampire comes sweeping in and she trips and they miss. Like that some would be real great. like slapstick. Right. Like all the vampires have their powers. Her powers is that <laughs> she just She's a buffoon. She, you can't you can't even hold on to her. She's a grease pig. Yeah. You get a hand on her, she's gone. It's not even werewolf anymore. It's were greased pig. <laughs> where, where in gre- the moonlight, I turn into a greased pig. No one can catch me. E- even the grease comes out. <laughs> Uh, did you ever have to learn to walk on ice? You grew up in Indiana. I assume it's icy in the winter. Oh my God. Yeah. I have some of my worst injuries. Really? From ice. Yeah. Well, let's go walk Get me through those, it. those things that may have happened to poor walk Kristen Stewart. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Well, if it's, if Kristen Stewart is anything like me, you're leaving a mm. chain restaurant, let's say just for the record, Red Lobster. And your father, it was good. I mean, those cheesy biscuits. Uh Uh, Your father is tossing ice balls at you. Not snowballs, ice balls. In his mind, I'd like to believe he thought they were snowballs. Okay. It's a frivolous moment that quickly turns into danger. Was was he maybe wearing massive mittens and couldn't tell the difference? I think that was probably it. Yeah. Yeah. The same ones that he had to use to 
hold those biscuits. They're to so pull hot. the lobsters out of the oven. Pull the lobsters yeah. out of the oven. Yeah, he worked at my dad is Red, who owns Red Lobster. <laughs> I forgot to mention your full name is Sage Houston Lobster. Sage Houston Lobster. I dropped it after this incident. I can't talk to him anymore. Stage, Houston just a, a stage name. I almost yeah. called it a Sage name. <laughs> it's a Sage. <laughs> it name. is both of those things technically. <laughs> so you fall down outside the Red Lobster. Yes, trying to dodge, and my my Game Boy DS is oh, in my right no. hand, and I smack my hand between the icy pavement uh-huh. and the Nintendo DS. The console is fine. That's the most important part. That's good. But I, it, like, all my bloody nails. Yikes. I don't think I may have even lost one. I can't remember. It was really bad. And then we never got Red Lobster again. <laughs> that did it for you, huh? So if, if Bella Swan, really, it's not the physical pain. It's the emotional that I think she's going through. Maybe that's why she's wearing the massive gloves. Yeah. So that nothing like that would happen to her. She does kind of break her fall with her hands. And that extra padding would help. Yes. Yeah. And wearing up the backpack in, in the dumb way, which is just one strap. Just the one strap. Still how I wear backpacks sometimes. And it's the dumb way. <laughs> I, You know, I'll take it. It was the cool way when I was a high schooler circa 2008 so i'm guess i'm just the perfect target audience for this (laughs) charlie is there he was the one driving the truck into the driveway he got new tires for bella they talk about some stuff right yeah i'm good ice doesn't really help the uncoordinated yeah that's why i had some new tires put on the truck old ones were getting pretty bald well, probably be late for dinner. I gotta head down to Mason County. Security guard at the Grisham Mill got killed by some kind of animal. An animal? You're not in Phoenix anymore, Bills. Anyway, they figured I'd lend a hand. Be careful. Always am. And thanks for the tires. Yeah. And then there's a bunch more establishing shots as yes. Bella goes back to school. I'd say four or five more, just another montage of establishing shots. Charlie says he's going over to Mason County because a security guard got killed by some sort of animal. Listeners will remember the previous scene seeing this attack. We know it's not an animal, but he thinks he's an animal. He's a cop. What is he going to do? Arrest the animal? Here, I have a huge issue with this. I did some I research do on Charlie to, to refresh because I think Charlie is going to be my main statement. I'm the Charlie correspondent. Okay. He is, at this time, the chief of police for the Forks Police Department. Yes. That is not the chief of police's job. No, especially <laughs> because I looked it up and Mason yeah. County is like a two-hour drive from Forks. Oh, my God. Okay, uh-huh. you did even more research. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like, Forks is still in King County or something. I don't know. Continue. Yeah. And on the seventh, on the list of police of chiefs responsibilities that I looked up this morning, <laughs> seven is like you investigate the particularly bad, weird cases. An animal attack would not make that list. No, especially not in sort of the forest. I imagine they have some sort of animal control yeah. and cops over there. Does he just want an excuse to hunt something, maybe? But he's known as a fisherman. He's not a hunter. Interesting. Well, yeah. he's, he's seen in at least one scene cleaning a shotgun. For fish. Oh, is that how he fishes? <laughs> See, I wouldn't know these things. I'm not Team Charlie. I didn't do my, oh, my research. Okay, thank you for keeping me up to date on all this. Can I tell you one quick thing? Yeah, One quick absolutely. aside about it, this. It uh, can even Team be Charlie. a long aside. Team Charlie v. Uh, also Shotgun. So we might get into it. We might not have time. Mm-hmm. But there is a Wikipedia page for Twilight, and oh. there is an entire article for the truck okay. itself. Sage, uh, I'm telling you right now, we're going to have time for this. Okay. I love it so much. Uh, I have a lot to say about the truck. Is this the actual Wikipedia or like the Twilight Wiki? The Twilight specific. The Twilight okay, specific cool. Wiki has a long article about the truck and it has 27 comments on it. 
surreal. Mm-hmm. But one of the comments is about later in the series, Edward destroys the truck somehow, or he's anti-truck. Okay. And somebody in the comments was like, if I was Bella, I would have reported that vandalism to my father <laughs> and see how Edward dealt with that. And I'd be like, he's going to die. He actually yeah. would have dealt with it very well. Yeah. He's a, Charlie is a human man. Right. I don't care if he's a chief of police or has a gun. This is a vampire. He's going to tear him to shreds. Yeah, he's gonna. his, his little guns aren't really going to do anything yeah. to Edward. We know this. But I just love that idea of like, yeah, the police are more powerful than anything including vampires. No, apparently the police have a lot of free time in Forks. Yeah. They can just sort of run over to other counties to investigate an animal attack. Yes. And the most condescending little return to that would be like, an animal attack? You're not in Phoenix anymore, kid. Oh, yeah, nobody ever dies from animals in Arizona. That was my next question was, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have animals in Phoenix, right? Why yeah, would he say that? I like, don't know. It's just, uh, north of Phoenix is just as woody, and there's also more uh-huh. desert snake attacks. There are also very few animal attacks in Washington. I looked it up. I never really looked at it this way. What a dickish thing to say to your daughter yeah. who just learned that someone got mauled by an animal nearby and you're you're just like, oh, live with it. You're not in the big city anymore. Yeah. That's comforting. Thanks, Chuck. Absolutely. What a crazy thing to say to your daughter. Yeah. But also they do definitely have animals in Phoenix. Like, I don't know, maybe smaller ones like scorpions, but I'm pretty sure you still hear about like mountain lions and stuff there. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially in that part of Arizona. The northern part. Does anything we're talking about here make you less Team Charlie? He gets his daughter a gift that we can talk about later, but he's not coming off as the best dad so far. And I'll say, I don't know Team Charlie movie. The actor's very good. Oh, he's sure. Team Charlie book was what I was on. And so without going back and and Mm -hmm. truly consulting the text uh, to look for his virtues of a father... I don't know who this man is, and I can't stand by him. Well, but the Charlie I know would never say Okay. <laughs> I regret to inform you that we have a strict rule here around this podcast here at Bite Sized. We don't care about the books. Okay. Then I will say, just for the sake of it, that yes. I'm Team Charlie for the book. And okay. all Charlie will be referred to, when I say Charlie, I mean Charlie Book. And this guy will be Charles Snarkly. Charles Snarkly. <laughs> From here on out. Charlie, he's got some tires for Bella. New tires. They look like the baldest tires I've ever seen. Maybe they're just wet and shiny. I don't they know. They could be. I imagine, like, I really want to give the set deck team the benefit of the doubt uh-huh. here. And I think maybe I was trying to be like, I'm going on a podcast, so I'm going to be critical. But I'm just like... <laughs> the whole point of this podcast is to be hypercritical about <laughs> 69 seconds of movie. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I was just like, they just look so bare. They do. But my question to you is, what's the worst gift you've ever received? Because new tires is... Mm. This is going to, I mean, I feel like maybe I'm Team Charlie because I keep talking about my own father, but uh-huh. that's what comes to mind well, this again. Is secretly a therapy session. This is secretly so. a therapy session. Wait, is Twilight about dads? <laughs> uh, kind of. Yeah, it is. A little bit. A little bit. It's about uh, daddies, that's for sure. Somebody once chucked a squirrel statue through the window of his Jeep. Okay, I have about 100 questions. Yes, so do I. And that was my gift one year, was just like, hey, this was wild. Your dad just found it. And yeah, and thought, I know who would love this. I think it was more so as like, well, conveniently, it happens on this day. He was not necessarily the best about like getting things uh, on time. Uh So I think it was kind of just like he showed up 
at home and was like, this wild thing happened. Oh, yeah, here you go. Was it like your birthday or something? Or did it he was just... my birthday. Okay. I guess that was important for important detail. Is this true? <laughs> Is this true? Okay. At least in my in my child memory, by I, your recollection. it's very clear. Okay. But he also did. I mean, we had some good birthdays, too. I'm sure. <laughs> Where you went to Red Lobster and injured your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. No, there's definitely a good one. Uh, uh, there was the Chicago one where he pushed me in front of the train. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, back to the squirrel statue, because yeah. it's kind of the only thing I want to talk about now. Let's just go through this chronologically. Was the window on the truck rolled down, or did someone break his window with a squirrel statue? I think they shattered the window. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was hoping for, because that's the more rich of the two narratives. Yes. Did someone hate your father? Did someone hate the squirrel statue? What Did, did he make any attempt to investigate this? Did he tell the, the Indiana equivalent of Charlie Swan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. He... Did have he had enemies? Uh-huh, uh, clearly, just because he was like kind of quirky. Small enemies. town Indiana. He was a quirky guy. Okay, small town Indiana. He was like he was a lawyer who, I don't know. He like never billed his clients, and he just like took a lot of like favors or okay gifts, art, the whole nine yards. Squirrel statues. <laughs> squirrel statues. So I I think in a small town when you are a lawyer, mm-hmm. you kind of know everybody who you defend and also who you like work against yeah and it was a lot of divorce court so i'm sure there were like a lot of spouses who were like upset with the work he'd done for their former partner and this was an act of revenge you think i think uh, so from a jilted ex-husband yeah or something he had like a really notable it was like a red jeep cherokee and so i think they probably were just like yeah that's his and i have probably picked up a squirrel statue from somebody else's yard Uh and just chucked it through what did the squirrel statue look like? How big are we talking here? It's clearly strong enough to break a car window. In my childhood memory, uh-huh. it was about the size of a football. Okay. Pure stone. Pure stone. Yes. So probably just lifted from someone's garden. Yes. Okay. And I think in like that kind of, I think we grew up in a similar age. And I don't think like yeah. lawn ornaments were not as like fun and like plasticky and kitschy as they are today. No, they're definitely like aspiring to own a manor. So I have a statue of wildlife in my garden that i also hide a key under for the kids absolutely okay where's that squirrel statue now sorry this bite size is now turning into squirrel size squirrel size uh football size squirrel size statue uh one scene at a time i have no idea okay and so like part of me does question my own memory on this it's very clear but it does kind of seem like the kind of thing that once you got enough distance from you would wonder did i make that up yeah and i am mid that right now okay that's the first thing that came to mind uh, and I try to honor that when uh, people ask me yeah. questions out of the blue. Uh, like this whole podcast. Like this whole podcast. Yeah. So that's what comes to mind. But I'm seeing my mom in a couple of weeks and I will ask her about it. Definitely follow up on that yeah. one, please. And let me know either. <laughs> I come back in. <laughs> right into the show or just tell me the next time we see yeah. each other at a, at a bar or An something. An apology nutter and be like, um, hey. I'm going to need a picture of you and the squirrel and that day's newspaper <laughs> so I know that's real. Oh, my God. Can I talk about some of the more scene uh, painting in this uh, in this establishing in the establishment shot yeah. where we get to know Tara a little bit. I think they were trying really hard to like set a mood, uh-huh. but I think they what kind of what kind of mood are we talking here? I think they were so desperate to be like this is in the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. This is outside. Charlie is a man of the people. And what did they He's do? An outdoorsman, maybe to to get that across. Well, there are two trucks. Yeah, there's a truck that Bella has, and then there's a truck in the background. It's mm-hmm. like a green truck that's yeah. pulling a boat, and the boat has no tarp on it. That's true. What we've been told in the 45 seconds of establishment shots is that it rains all the time. Yes. Charlie is an avid fisherman, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. There's no way he'd leave that boat uncovered. 
Okay. Especially the part where the engine is, which is the part that doesn't have a tarp on it. That is very true. So I think somebody's just like, yeah, we want to show that he uses his boat a lot, but somebody who uses their boat a lot would cover it up. I also saw that boat. Do you think it's the neighbor's boat? I don't think there is a neighbor. Okay. It seems like they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. A little bit. Charlie also does park on his lawn. Uh, Like the cop car is just straight up on the grass. So he doesn't take care too much care of his things. Yeah, which I do think is like very indicative of growing up in the country. Probably. He's that sort of rugged, masculine, I I don't need no help from no one type of man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least Charles Snarkly. Charles Uh, Snarkly (laughs) was what we were talking about here. Yeah. There's also a cab cover behind that Bella's truck sits in front of. Uh And from what I can tell, the truck that's pulling the boat, the only other thing that could take a cab cover, Mm. is a long bed truck. Okay. Let's look at this. Okay, so we found it, and there definitely is a tarp covering the outboard motor. There's also a secondary tarp sort of draped over the front that maybe could cover the rest of the boat, but someone was too lazy to actually do the whole thing. But what we know about Charles Snarkly yes. from this one scene, and that's all I can gauge it off of. The only thing you're allowed to use in this, yes. She says, what, you're, you're being safe or you're being careful? Mm. And he goes, always am. And if he's that prepared, why is he covering up his boat? I don't, maybe it's, that's why I think it's not his boat. Maybe it's the neighbor's boat. Because we never see that boat or that truck again, as far as I know. Okay. I know that they fish, but I would like to see what boat it is. And I would think that, but then again, I don't know, that boat's not too heavy. The cop car could pull that, right? I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know if you should have a cop car. Do chief of police typically have their own police vehicle? I think so. I mean, I, I used to live a couple doors down from a police officer who would take his car home. Yes. And the chief of police. Well, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. That's true. We've established a couple times in this podcast already that Charlie is not the best police officer. Yes. And apparently uh, we're doing it again today because he can just up and go off to some other county on a lark to try yeah. to arrest a bear or whatever. No doubt. Yeah. A cab includes Charlie. Yes. That is the unfortunate truth. My last bit of establishing shot stuff that I like, the mm. scene set deck, was there on the porch behind Bella as she leaves the door... There is a little bear statue holding a little fish oh. like you would see on like any Pacific Northwest porch. Yeah. And I think they put it there as a metaphor. I think Edward is the bear. And Bella is the fish. Yeah. You're looking at this so much more so much more analytically than anyone ever has. I think this is Bergman's lost film. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think so. Okay. You, not Catherine Hardwick. No. You think Ing- Ingmar Bergman. Yeah. <laughs> Swedish filmmaker. I stand by it. I think he'd been dead for a while when this came out. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just. Let He's me a vampire. Do, let me close this Bella Swan's truck wiki page I have open so I can look, look up. Ingmar Bergman. Oh, he died in 2007. This came out in 2008. So it's theoretically possible that Bergman had a hand in Twilight. He produced on it. He just did set deck. He, he did a little script punch up, a little set deck, that kind of thing. <laughs> did a little punch up. Any other thoughts, any other notes you had? Anything you want to get into? I would love to talk about the Wikipedia itself because I found it so interesting. Okay. But do we have time? Absolutely we do. Tell me what you found. I truly love this line about Charles Snarkley, Uh which is about the falling apart of his marriage with Renee, Bella's mom, where Wikipedia is supposed to be a very factual document. And for the most part, they are like... Real Wikipedia is fan wikis are wastelands. They are. Yes. But they were following pretty much like this happened and then this happened Uh and this happened, which all felt very factual. And then they hit the end of the paragraph ends with the phrase, all he asked for was time with Bella. 
he did not stop loving Renee. Wow. Which feels like such a huge defense of like, how could you prove that? You can't. Is you that can't prove it? Is I would that like in to put the books? Bike. I don't think so. It's not I don't even know that Renee had a name in the books. It's not in the movie. That certainly sure. wasn't Team Renee. I mean, Renee's got to have a name in the books because otherwise, where would Bella's baby name come from? We haven't gotten there yet. I'm getting okay. way too ahead of myself. That's fair. Do we ever establish why Charlie and Renee broke up? Is it just because she was sick of living in Forks? That is the what they said in the Wikipedia. Okay, that's so good. he was staying there for his parents. She wanted to go somewhere better. Uh-huh. Phoenix. Phoenix, sure. Do you know where she moves so that like when Bella decides yeah. to leave? It's Jacksonville. Yes. I'm going to do a whole episode about this one day. I want to do an alternate universe about what happens if Bella goes to Jacksonville. What do you think happens if she goes to Jacksonville? There are Florida vampires. They're, oh, I was going to say uh, some sort of swamp creature, <laughs> some sort well, of thing that's from the a Jacob back side. balloon. Black People Lagoon. who become gators. Okay. Yeah, but wait, the creature from the Black Lagoon is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's who she would meet if she went to Jacksonville. She'd meet a swamp man. So just other cryptids from what come from Florida? We have to assume that if there's vampires, if there's werewolves, there's got to be others. Yeah. There's got to be mummies. That's true. There's got to be a Bigfoot somewhere out there. Absolutely. It's never explicitly stated, but I think it's left open to that. And so if she did go to Jacksonville, I think she would love, fall in love with a handsome fish man, and it's basically the shape of water. <laughs> Write this fan fiction. This is really good. There's got to be, oh man, I don't have time to dive into the fan fiction archives, but so, surely someone has written a story about what if Bella moved to Jacksonville. And so I call it Twilight, you call it Sunrise. Oh yeah. It's just really bright and peppy. Just mosquitoes everywhere. Jimmy Buffett's playing. That sounds lovely. Yeah, pretty good. Better than Forks, that's for sure. I have two last things, and okay. then I will, I'll leave you alone forever. Oh, no, you, this is fine. So the truck, Wikipedia, yes. that I, I can't believe there was an article this long about the truck or that there were 27 comments on it, but they not noted that in the movie, mm-hmm. it is a 1963 Chevy, and in the book, it's a 1953 Chevy. Yeah. And I would like to state right here that we should stop casting younger actors for <laughs> roles that belong to older people. That is so true. And I think that we need to take that. Fun fact, if you go to Forks, Washington... They have like a little welcome center area and they have both trucks there. They have a 53 and a 63. That's so funny. Why'd they go with the the newer one then? Because if Forks can get their hands on a 53. I don't know. I don't know either. Probably looked cooler. But this is my favorite comment was that somebody was really ragging the book and saying Bella was a not interesting character. But they said, if Stephanie Meyer wrote a book about this truck, I'd read it. Well, what about if the truck went to Jacksonville? <laughs> okay, now we're now talking. we're on to something. Truck light, truck light, twi. No, I was gonna say twi truck, but that sucks. Twi truck. Sage, if you had to give this scene a name, what would it be? And this is also gonna be the name of the episode, so make it good. Let's say establishing the unestablishable. Establishing the unestablishable. Okay, what does that mean? Speak on that. Why? Why did you choose that? Because they're trying to use real world qualities, rainy, cold, uh-huh. ice, mittens, fish out of water, yeah. for something that you cannot prepare a viewer for. We're about to break into the supernatural. Okay. And you can't do that with bears holding fish, no matter how good that Bergman metaphor is. <laughs> that was pretty good. I'm pleased to announce that according to my uh, spell check on my computer here, unestablishable is a word. I was kind of surprised that I'd (laughs) never considered that before. But hey, I guess, why not? It's got all the things that a word should have, like syllables and stuff. 
Sage, if people want to find out more about you and the things you do live and on the internet, where can they do that? Like on uh, social media, perhaps. Absolutely. Please follow me, reach out to me at Sage of Innocence with underscores under each of those words. Mm-hmm. Hit me up about shows I'm doing in Chicago. I also, just for kicks, wrote an animated pilot about cryptids okay. who are in a paranormal world trying to prove that humans exist. So it feels very apropos. It's a Twilight adjacent. Twilight yeah. adjacent. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, follow at BiteSizedPod underscore. There is currently no content on the TikTok or really the Twitter because Twitter is dead and I'm too old to understand TikTok, but maybe in September I figure it out. If you want to send an email to the show about any of the things we've talked about today, you can send an email to my favorite twilight podcast at gmail.com. As I've said many times, I tried to find something with bite sized or bite sized pod or whatever, and they were all taken. So I got mad and did my favorite (laughs) twilight podcast at gmail.com. If you had a good time listening to this show, tell a friend about it. Tell them about this show with a very easy to say and remember episode title establishing the unestablishable. Uh, Thanks for making. It's super easy. You're welcome. For guests to talk about. For real, though, word of mouth is the only way this show gets around because advertising podcasts is hard to do, and I refuse to learn it. Thank you so much to my editor, Ben Oxer, for putting this all together. Thank you for the to the band's swimwear department for the use of their song Mauled to Death as a theme song. And that is it. That wraps up yet another episode of Bite Size. Thank you so much for coming. And as we always say at the end of every episode, I had a great time and I'll see you in Jacksonville. Incredible. I had a great time and I'll see you in Jacksonville. See you next time. Ice doesn't really help the uncoordinated.